0: just want you to start, just for one minute, uh, chat to the person next to you uh, about something that gives you joy. What gives you joy? What makes you happy? What makes you excited and gives you joy and why? One minute, chat to the person next to you. What do you think? Okay, I'm sure you could talk for much longer. I'm sure you could talk for much longer than that because... Uh, there's bound to be lots of things aren't there that give us joy that make us happy that make us excited and thankful uh, and give us real joy and we're going to think about why today we should have joy in the Lord that's how the psalm starts isn't it look at verse one come let us sing for joy to the Lord that's a really exciting start isn't it but actually how many of us really feel like doing that this week maybe we maybe we have maybe we've had a really good week a great week and we're full of praise, full of just really excited to be here to praise God with, with others. Maybe it's been a really tough week and it's been difficult things, hard things, and you think, actually, I'd rather be anywhere else. Well, whatever the case, this verse is a really clear encouragement, isn't it, to, to sing with joy to the Lord. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's something that should be there deep in our hearts. And if we have joy deep within us, it does change it does affect how we act how we behave if i'm honest though i end up complaining maybe being anxious being grumpy far often it's more easy to do those things than it is i think to be joyful often for myself maybe that's the case for you what's that say about what's going on inside me what are we often missing i think it's because we lose touch with who we are worshipping we kind of forget what god's like don't we we become too used to what we hear And if that's the case, then this psalm is a really good wake-up call for us. Because it just helps us see again who God is, what he's done for us. It helps us respond to our awesome God with joy. So that's what we're going to look through today. We're going to look through this psalm uh, and see all that it has to say to us. And the first first thing I want us to see is this. That we should come to the Lord with joyful singing and humble worship. Come to the Lord with joyful singing and humble worship. We see that in verses 1 and 2. It's this passionate encouragement to God's people. Come and worship. Just just look again. Look at at verses 1 and 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. He wants to hear loud singing. Not people just kind of mumbling along to the chorus. You know, projecting their voices. Shouting with joy. Do you see who's being addressed? The Lord. The rock of our salvation. That's a great picture isn't it? It's like a firm foundation. Someone secure, strong, dependable, trustworthy. That's who we're worshipping. And then it says in verse 2, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. He wants people to come with thankfulness in their hearts saying big thank you to God for all that he's done full of gratitude. Extol, I, I don't know, I don't use that word very much. Maybe you do. I don't. It kind of means to praise enthusiastically, to, to really be excited, at, but to praise uh, with that kind of mindset. So that's what he wants. He's looking for people on their feet, praising God with excitement, with happiness, with joy. Is that how you feel coming to church, coming to sing? It's often perhaps a struggle, isn't it? It's easy sometimes to think about other things. What's going what you know, what we're doing this evening, what's going on in the sports, what's what's for dinner? We don't think about the words, we don't really praise God with our hearts. I think if if someone if you meet someone who's really joyful about something, I don't know, they've just got engaged or they've just had a new baby or something like this, something big, and there's joy that they can't hide it. There's a smile on their face, there's there's joy in their heart kind of bubbling over. Is it obvious on our faces as we sing that we're joyful? It's not, it's not something we can manufacture, is it? It's not, I'm not saying we must all force a smile onto our face as we sing. Because sometimes there, there are genuine reasons why we might feel pain and we might be grieving and facing trials. We can't just put on a smile and think, oh, that's going to make me more joyful. Actually, this psalm says, no, we need to look deeper. There are deeper, better reasons that we can be joyful, even in the really tough moments. Whether good or bad, we can find joy. Joy in these uh, because of who God is and that's what these next verses verses 3 to 7 they just take us through what God is like what he has done for us let's have a look verse 3 for the Lord is the great God the great king above all gods have you forgotten who God is he is the great God the great king above all gods he is bigger and more powerful and mightier and majestic and holy there's no idol, there's, no, there's nothing that can compare to him. He reigns high above. He's in control of everything. He's our father. He never tires out, he never grows weary. He never changes. He is entirely trustworthy. He never lets us down. We think about those things. Of course we see he's worthy of our joyful worship. Verse 4. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him the whole earth is in his hands from the depths of the grand canyon maybe the bottom of the deepest sea trenches you know where only the the most thick submarines can go and take pictures right down there to the the tallest highest mountain peaks he's got everything in his hands just holding it he created it everything belongs to him it's amazing isn't it verse 5 the sea is his for he made it his hands formed the dry land. Whenever I see the sea, it, it just blows my mind. To just how vast, how beautiful it is. The scale of it is immense. <clears throat> the earth's oceans are so big. You feel so small when you see them. And then you think, no, God's got them. He created them. He, he owns them. From the you know beautiful clear waters of the tropics to the like icy cold waters of the ar- Arctic seas. Everything, it's all his. They belong to him and his hands formed the dry lands his hands made everything every inch of the land that we live on maybe from the, the vast desert plains to even the, you know, the most detailed uh, beauty of a dense jungle look at that waterfall God has done it all he is the mighty creator king it's just wonderful isn't it, to remind ourselves of these things I don't know which aspect of creation amazes you most Maybe you've seen something on the screen, but why not, again, just turn to the person next to you, just very quickly and say, what's one thing that God has made that just makes you say, wow, what amazes you about God's creation? One minute, go. Anyone got anything they want to share? What, what, what makes you say, wow, about God's creation? Anyone? Water. Brilliant. There you go, newborn babies and and parents, that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Anything else? What makes you go, wow, top of the mountain, mountain. beautiful, yeah, just stunning, crystal clear skies, the beauty, it's wonderful. There's so many things, aren't there, that should amaze us, that God has made. And then we remember in verse 3, he is the great king above all gods, nothing compares to him he beats idols no man-made god can compare no gadgets no fashion item no popularity no comfort no money no amount of money there is one person who deserves our worship our thanksgiving our praise and that's our great king and savior so when was that last time you really came and worship the lord with loud joyful singing when was the last time you were really thankful For all that he has done for you when was last time you shouted to our great lord and king maybe if you've realized actually i've been lacking that i've been struggling with that why not talk to god why not ask for his help to renew your attitude to him let's be honest if it comes to joyful shouting we're much more likely aren't we to shout at the telly when our football team scores than maybe to shout to the lord I remember at the Olympics uh, in 2012, we went uh, to the stadium and there was a Team GB uh, discus guy, discuser, I don't know what the technical term is. And uh, basically, he was trying to get through to the finals. And his last throw, he just span around and threw an absolute blinder. And it was clearly, you know, he got through. And this just eruption of shouting and and sort of joyful cheering. I was in the stadium, it it was like a sort of wave of energy going boof and I'd never felt anything like it perhaps because I've not been to a football pitch maybe it's the same kind of thing when a, someone scores a goal I was like, that's what it's like isn't it loud, joyful, cheering do we do that? is that what it's like for us? do we ever feel that, that sort of sense of real joy because of who God is but what he's done for us well, this afternoon I want to I be biblical and do what it says in this Psalm. I want us to shout to our God I want us to give it a go Okay, we're going to shout hallelujah, which means God be praised. That's a really good thing to shout, isn't it? I'm talking not just polite English shouting like, hooray, I'm I'm giving you permission to shout, okay? Now, the younger ones here, you're probably going to need to show us how this is done, because you're probably just better at shouting than than we are. But let's, let's let's do it, let's try and shout for joy to the Lord. So I'm going to count down from three, we're going to shout hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, hallelujah. One more time. I think we can go even louder. Three, two, one. Hallelujah! That's right. We have a wonderful God. Let's not be afraid to be joyful about the God that we worship. We need to remember, don't we, why we're singing, why we're praising him. Because he is the great creator king. Sometimes good to just lift ourselves a bit, isn't it, and do that sort of thing. Well, we approach with joy but then the psalmist also encourages another attitude that kind of comes together look at verse six come let us bow in worship let us kneel before the lord our maker so having approached with joy having approached with thanksgiving the listeners are encouraged to bow down to kneel before the lord who made them we see that actually humility goes hand in hand with joy they go together by bowing down, by kneeling, that they could show this deep respect for who God is, for this kind of reverence, and for awe for their gods, by kneeling. Maybe we're thinking, actually, I can see that. I've seen how amazing God is. No wonder we need to to fall on our knees before him. He is holy and awesome. But actually, the psalmist gives another reason. Do you see? Look at verse 7. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture the flock under his care. So we've seen this great picture of how vast, how powerful the Lord is. Now we get a picture that shows his love, shows his care for us. This intimate language, caring language. The great king is our God. We are his people. Originally his people were the nation of Israel, were the Jewish nation. But now anyone who trusts in Christ can say, claim this amazing truth. We are part of his people. We are the people of his pasture. That's a lovely picture, isn't it? Uh, the kind of rich grass that provides everything that we need. The shepherd they're caring. There's never a drought. The grass is never kind of yellow like it is at the minute. We're the flock under his care. He is the shepherd that looks after each and every sheep, however small we might feel. He gives us that security in life. Shouldn't we kneel when we realise how amazing it is that God cares for us? Actually, what should bring us to our knees is the realisation that without our good shepherds, without Jesus, we would be doomed. He came. He laid down his life for the sheep, for those who put their trust in him. He paid that ultimate price so that we could go free. That's God's love. That's worth humbly accepting, isn't it? Coming on our knees, we come with nothing. We come... Because he loves us, because he cares for us. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't improve it. We accept God's love for us. So again, when was the last time you really stopped and, and thought about how you approach God, how you come to him? We can become used to God's love somehow. It doesn't impact us. It doesn't humble us like it maybe it should. We know, don't we, that our sin should separate us from God's. We've rebelled against him, we've disobeyed him, we've turned away. We thought that we could run our lives better. And yet because of the good shepherd, because of Christ dying on the cross, we are loved, we are forgiven, we're united, we're restored. It should bring us to our knees. Well look, I've already got you shouting this afternoon, I'm not going to get you on your knees in these awkward chairs and and in these aisles because it's just a bit tricky to do that. But actually, if you don't already, why not think about that? How, make the physical act of bowing, of kneeling, as part of your prayer, part of your worship to God, when you can. It's a kind of way of physically expressing your heart, the spiritual attitude that you have to God. If, you, if we're just sort of slumping down and, and praying, it's sort of, sometimes it's good to, to put ourselves in the right posture because it kind of corrects our heart and, and reminds us of, of that. It's good to kneel. Now, of course it's important to say if you can't physically do that anymore then don't worry you know it's the heart attitude isn't it that we want to be kneeling before god that's what matters we approach with joy we approach with shouting we approach god because of who he is because of what he's done for us and then we approach humbly because it's so amazing to have jesus as our lord and then the psalm kind of just changes tone really significantly and we're going to see what 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 this these verses have to say to us too what we see in the second half is this a warning that we need to listen carefully to God's voice look at verse 7 with me the end of verse 7 today if only you would hear his voice do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me they tried me though they had seen what I did very different isn't it to the first part of the psalm we've just been talking about joyful shouting and then all of a sudden it's like if you hear his voice don't harden your hearts would have been a surprise to those listening to it singing it it's like a sort of glass of water being splashed in someone's face a wake-up call the psalmist is warning them pleading with his listeners he wants them to hear from god listen to god without hardening their hearts means sort of turning away from him rejecting him not taking it seriously he talks about Massa and Meribah those are strange names aren't they but they're they're names from the story of the old Testament. if you go to Exodus chapter 17 you can see what happens I'm not going to read it now but Exodus 17 1 to 7 this story is explained and actually it follows on quite soon after the Exodus series that we did earlier this year remember we finished in Exodus chapter 15 with this kind of psalm of celebration they'd just been rescued from Egypt they'd gone God's people had gone through the Red Sea God had saved his people and they were celebrating two chapters later they are grumpy and grumbling and fed up and they've got no water and they sort of say to Moses "Look, have we just been rescued so that we just to die in the desert is that what's happening they 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 don't trust God they don't rely on him now, God provides water from a stone for them, provides for them all the same. But these names are given to that place. Verse 7 of Exodus 17 says this. He called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarrelled and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So uh, Massa means testing, Meribah means quarrelling. What a name for a place. It's not good, is it? It's really quite a significant thing. You've just done that before, God. We're going to call these places so you don't forget they quarreled they argued against god they questioned is the lord among us or not there's a little modern day interpretation there someone you know shouting uh, and and arguing back back in psalm 95 that is the attitude this psalmist is describing this is what it means to harden your hearts basically doubting that god is with you even after everything that they've seen god do they doubt they don't trust him And there's serious consequences. Look at verse 10 of Psalm 95. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. God was angry with the whole generation of his people with the ways their hearts just constantly went astray. They were hard, they were stubborn. They did not trust God. They did not think God was with them. God was for them. And you can read about it in Numbers chapter 14. God judges them. It says that none of this generation is going to enter the promised land. That's why they were in the desert for 40 years going round and round. As it says in verse 11, they would never enter his rest. It's a difficult story. But God is holy. God has a right to to judge those who rebel against him. Those that reject God... Do not end his rest. Now for the nation of Israel at the time, that was talking about the promised land. Uh, the land was that place of rest and, and, and looking after. But for us, it's, it's the rest that we're promised when we go to spend forever with Jesus. The new creation. Life forever with God. The perfect rest. That's what's promised for us. For are trusting him. So that means this warning is still important. You see that? Because those who reject God will not enter his rest why does the psalmist switch tones so strongly in the song it started so good didn't it singing loud rejoicing and now we're kind of like oh this is this is quite hard to hear we need to listen carefully we need to not harden our hearts clearly we need both don't we we need both the, the joy and we need to hear this warning You know, the Israelites in the desert, they weren't just sort of special cases. They weren't extra sinful. It's so easy, isn't it, for us to think, how could they have done that? If I was there, there's no way I would have been doubting God like that. Surely, I mean, I've literally just walked through a sea on each side of me. God has rescued me from this. I'm not going to be doubting him, am I? We can just, you know, judge the Israelites in that way. But actually, I don't know, if we got a video stream of our lives up on the screen and started going back through the months... I think we'd see again and again wouldn't we just how quickly and how often we turn our backs on God how often we think we know better friends we need to hear this warning too if we hear his voice today and he speaks to us through his word he convicts us he reveals the truth to us by his spirit what do we do when we when we hear his voice we harden our hearts or do we turn back to him I think there's, there's there's lots of times we might be tempted to, to harden our hearts against God. I reckon it happens when we kind of when we don't get what we think we deserve from God. I think that, that's what that's kind of the root of this. So take the Israelites for example. They they thought they deserved certain things, right? What what they what they deserved, They thought they deserved maybe five-star accommodation and just a lovely safe, quick trip through the desert to the promised land surely they're thinking surely that's what god wants isn't it just to to get us there and instead god gives them these situations that show them they must rely on him they can't they can't do it on their own they've got to keep relying on him completely so they don't get what they think they deserve so what do they do they harden their hearts they turn their back on god they don't trust him what might it be for us we, might, we, can, we too can go through really difficult situations, can't we? And maybe we start thinking, God, I don't deserve this. We have things, don't we, we think we deserve. Maybe it's something we feel like we're lacking before we can really be joyful, really be happy. And we think, God, if only you would provide me with a husband or a wife, or a better job, or a nicer house, or better grades, or a car that works. I think, God, I deserve better. We can think that, can't we? might be something in our hearts that we don't want to give up. We, we like our pride. We like our, our love of money, our material things. We, we like to fit in with the world. Our fear that we might miss out or that our friends might hate us. And we think, God, yeah, I'll obey you up to here. But actually this bit, I'm not going to submit to you here. There's lots of things we think we deserve. And then we end up questioning when God maybe gives us something different when he doesn't do exactly as we plan as we've sort of set out for our own lives we question it God do you really know what you're doing? and then we've got a question we? is that when our hearts harden because we don't get what we think we deserve we need to remember the reality though whatever we think we deserve we know from God's word that what we really deserve is what it says in the psalm to never enter God's rest we deserve judgement we deserve to go to hell Just like the Israelites, we deserve to never enter God's rest. And if we get that, if we really get that in our hearts, that gives us the perspective, that helps us remember that actually everything that our great creator, King, has done for us, how Jesus came as the good shepherd, how he died on the cross to save us, he took the punishment on himself so that we could be free, we could be loved. When we get that perspective, that's huge, isn't it? then we hear God's voice. We have this choice. Do we harden our hearts or do we respond with joy and thankfulness and praise because of everything that he's done for us? Are we going to humble ourselves, trusting that God's care is good, whatever happens? Well, look, friends, as I finish, let me echo the psalmist. Let me read that verse again today. If only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. If you're not a believer here today, if you're watching online, this is, this is my chance to urge you to hear the warning of this passage. Do not harden your hearts. Whatever else you think you, you, you deserve, actually you, you must see that the only place you can find true joy and love and care is in Jesus. Whatever feels more important, whatever feels more right at the moment will not last. It, it, will, not, it will fail you. Jesus is our only hope. And it's possible, if you're not feeling that joy that I was talking about earlier, it's possible to know that. It's possible to know that He cares for you. If you turn to me, you come to me, you give your life to Him. I'm happy to talk to you more. If you've got questions, please come and find me afterwards. But for those of us who are believers, do you see how we should respond? It's what we're called to do in the psalm, isn't it? To be grateful for Christ, to say thank you for all that He's done for us, to sing with joy. To share that joy with others. To come humbly. Recognising that we we don't deserve it. Recognising that we're here just because of God's love. We need to look out for those attitudes in our hearts that we wear. We think, well, actually I deserve this from God because I've done this for him. And kind of give and take. That's not how it works. God's love is grace. It's not about what we do for him. (laughs) That's really good news because otherwise we would be nowhere. We don't have to earn a place in, in his flock. We are the people of his pasture if we're trusting him. So friends, let's live those joyful lives of gratitude because he loves us completely as so we pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm. Would you help us to feel great joy as we sing praises to you? Would you humble us? Would you remind us often of our need for your grace? Would you help us listen carefully to what you say to us in your word. Help us to respond rightly, humbly, joyfully. Help us not harden our hearts. Amen.